What's going on, everybody? My name is Seth Askelson. We're back again, week number four, getting close to uh, almost a month of Locked On Coyotes, which means we're almost a month in to the NHL season. And alongside me today is Sports 360 AZ's Andrew Bell. Andrew, how are you today? I'm doing well, Seth. Obviously, another big win for the Coyotes. They're rolling right now, playing some good hockey, and I think this is the hockey that people expected this team to play going into the season. Obviously, a little bit of a tough start with the first few games, but they're getting on the right track. They're playing really well, 5-on-5. Five five. We'll get to that later in the show. Uh, I think the defense is playing really well, and then different guys are stepping up. That second line in particular between Nick Schmaltz, Connor Garland, uh, they're getting production from them. Christian Dvorak stepping up as well. And then on the defensive end, doesn't get much better uh, with the goaltenders, or doesn't get doesn't get much better than Darcy Kemper and Antiranta, who have been uh, superb on that back end along with their defense core. So it's kind of being pieced all together right now, and no injuries, and knock on wood there, no injuries um, for the Coyotes as of right now, and they're looking like a pretty good hockey club right now. Yeah, and uh, they do have a couple injuries on that back end. Jarmelson out. He's on IR. The expected time for that is about three months. And then when you take a look at uh, Jordan Osterley, who took a puck uh, high up to the head uh, on Thursday. And I know you had gone to the game Thursday. Uh, Were you there in time to see that shot off the back of the neck? Yeah, I was. It was pretty scary, actually. It was a little bit. It was pretty hushed uh, when that occurred. And hopefully Osterley is okay. And when when I said injuries, of course... Those two injuries have occurred. I just meant in the sense of, from an injury perspective, compared to where they were last year this time, uh, the injuries aren't as bad. But, yeah, Osterley took that one. It was kind of a scary moment. So a little thin on the blue line. But, obviously, uh, Capo Bianco comes in, scores his first NHL goal. And getting back to your original question about that, it was just kind of a, a scary play. He obviously gets hit up high and goes down. And at that point, it's a thought of concussion protocols, his neck okay, his, you know, where did he get hit? Um, but I thought... Um, you know, he's obviously able to get off the ice and, like I said, wish nothing but the best for him and a speedy recovery because that was a scary moment when I was there at the game on Thursday, kind of seeing that all unfold. And then, of course, you already have Nick Jalmerson down as well. So a little thin on that in that regard, but compared to the injuries last year, um, you know, not not as bad a shape as they were last season. And the other thing that helps is there's a lot of depth there this year, um, which they had last year too, but it, that depth didn't really show until the end of the year because there were so many guys who were out. Yeah, and with the depth, I mean, you want a guy like Nick Jarmelson in, but if you don't, you have Capo Bianco, you have Labushkin. Um, they called up Aaron Ness to fill that seventh defenseman spot, so you got to think that uh, unless an, unless somebody else goes down, you'll see Capo Bianco and Labushkin in, in the lineup every night. Um, Ness, though, no scrub himself, he led the AHL uh, defenseman in points last year with 55. Uh, is in Hershey, part of the Washington organization. And I think part of that call-up, I mean, uh, obviously when you have everybody healthy, Labushkin's probably down in the AHL. Uh, but not they're deep on the big club, but they're not too deep in the system. It's not like there's a lot of guys who are NHL-ready that they have to get playing time or trade or anything of that nature. Um, so uh, Aaron Ness is a good choice. He was drafted uh, 40th overall in the 2008 draft by the Islanders. Um, and he's played in a handful of games. He's played 47 games over the last uh, few years. He, ended, he got drafted, went to the University of Minnesota for three, uh, entered professional hockey in 2010-2011 with the Sound Tigers, 
of the American Hockey League. And again, he's played most of his career in the American Hockey League. Has a few, um, has a few games, like we said, 47, uh, six points in 47 games. So a guy who's a veteran, uh, you know, entering his ninth year in professional hockey, knows how to go about his business, can play in a game if he needs to. But uh, again, you'll see a lot of Capobianco and a lot of Labrushkin. Capobianco scored his first goal on Saturday. Uh, so uh, he's played really well. And I was—I wouldn't say too surprised, but uh, I mean, he only—he was only able to play two games last year towards ACL. But I thought Labushkin for sure would have been the one in the lineup for the Coyotes more often. But after seeing the way Cavalbianco started the year, I mean, it—it it makes sense that when everybody's healthy, he's the one in instead of Labushkin. Yeah, I think he provides a little bit more than Labushkin. That's nothing to take away from Labushkin. I think he's a very solid defenseman as well and very physical. That's what one thing I like about his game and that he showed last year when he was penciled into the lineup. But I think Capo Bianco just um, he provides the team a little bit more offensively. You saw that with his shot on Saturday. And he's also very sound on the back end as well. So I think if you're looking from a two-way perspective, which is what a lot of teams are looking for in the NHL this year, I'm not saying Capo Bianco is going to you know, light up the scoreboard or anything like that. Um, you know, Be like an OEL type of player, but I think he provides a little bit more offensively um, than Labushkin does. So I think he's done a solid job on the back end and I think you're going to see a lot more of them especially as you know the more opportunity there is with Osterle and uh, Jalmerson out for the time being and who knows you could take off and run with it but I think uh, you know you're in a good position when you have those two guys when Jalmerson and Osterle do come back at some point if those are two guys that you're sitting out which is what they had at the beginning of the year it's a pretty good situation to be in defensively yeah and it's a team that you know really good depth now the interesting thing is I think this answer is going to be no. But with Osterle on IR, on concussion protocol, I don't think he's going to be out too long, maybe a couple more weeks at the most. If Capo Bianco keeps playing the way he does, is Osterle sitting in the press box when he comes back? You say no. I think um, it all depends on what Capo Bianco does over the next couple weeks. But I personally think the way he's played right now, I think he could give – Osterle a good run for his money and that, that, that's just a bad situation for Osterle but I think he has the opportunity pending the way he keeps on playing uh, to take that spot and I, I'm i going to go with the opposite of you. I say yes he can take a spot and he could be up in the press box and it's a really tough situation for Osterle um, but it's part of part of the business of be playing in the NHL and playing with a really good defense core um, but I do think he could take it solely because of the way he's played if he keeps on running with those opportunities I think it's a good position for him and I think um, not that he provides more than Osterle, but you don't want to take a guy out while he's hot, and especially while he's playing really good hockey. And so um, I think he could find himself in the press box. That's my answer. Um, but it's kind of a 50-50 toss-up at this point. We'll have to just wait and see uh, when that time does come. Well, I need to rephrase that because when Osterle does come back, it, it'll most likely be Labushkin to go to the press box and getting sent down his nest. It's going to be when Charmelson comes back. And again, that's estimated about two to three months. That's where it gets interesting, right? You got to see. Again, I think the answer will still be no. I think they really like Jordan Osterley. I think Jordan Osterley is really good, and he's a little more experienced. I mean, Capo Bianco, man, big guy, good puck moving defenseman. And in this league, you don't 
you don't have to it's not a land of the giants anymore it's about speed it's about skill and not that Oshale doesn't have that but you know it, it just kind of depends on what what the Coyotes are looking for uh, once they finally have all their defensemen back and that gets back to my point so just about um, when you're talking about Lubushkin or Capo Bianco who you'd want to put in the lineup um, I think that's where he does provide a little bit more like you said moving the puck and like I said he's not an OEL not that he's you know, an OEL type of defenseman or a guy who's jumping on the rush all the time. But offensively, I think just moving the puck, um, you know, breaking the puck out of the zone, which is one of the most underrated things in the NHL, and that's so important, is getting the puck out of your own zone. Uh, it's a difference between a two-minute shift and a shift that's a minute and 15 seconds and you still have your legs under you. It's all about the defenseman on the back end who can move the puck, break the puck out of the zone. I think he does that really well. At least he's shown so far. And it's pretty impressive what he's done in his short stint. Um, and like I said, it's definitely a good situation to have if you're the you're the Coyotes. Yeah, and uh, Osterley has played uh, for a few years now. This is his fifth season uh, of playing in the NHL at least. Um, Played, started in 2013-2014 after getting signed out of Western Michigan by the Oilers. And he goes to uh, Oklahoma City, which was the former AHL affiliate of the Oilers. And he plays a few games for the Oilers before getting traded to the Blackhawks. Then in pretty much that offseason gets sent to the Coyotes. Played 71 games last year. Kind of out of necessity, but uh, it'll be... It'll be interesting to see when Jarmelson gets back to see what uh, what the plan of action is going to be for the Coyotes on the back end. So, with the emergence of the Coyotes defense and with how deep they are, I think it starts to beg the question of what guys are expendable, right? And I think, again, too early to be talking about this, but if the Coyotes are still in a playoff chase, pick up another defenseman, Maybe pick up a, another forward if they feel that they need it. I don't know if they need another forward, really. But, it's beside the point, uh, do the Coyotes, and I think the biggest guy for this trade would be Alex Golagoski, a guy that the Coyotes traded for, traded his, for his rights from Dallas, signed him to the deal, runs through 2020-2021. A uh, few issues with this. Contracts at 5.4 mil a year, the cap hit at least, 5.4 mil a year. H34 is an 18 no trade list. So you got to think now there's no information at least easily accessible that shows what that no trade list that got turned in. You got to think a lot of the, the no trade list is of, you know, teams Ottawa, Detroit, teams that are definitely not going to make the playoffs. But what team that is making a run would take on that contract? It's funny because as we were talking about this a little bit off air, I had a couple teams running through my mindset. And a team that comes to mind to me, really talented offensively, but they're lacking a little bit defensively right now. And that's evident. We were looking at their PK numbers just before. But I think it's tough because there's so many loops to jump through because you have the contract to take on. There's the teams who aren't eligible to be traded that are you know that we don't have the access to, and then you have, um, you know, thirty four year old defenseman Alex Golagoski. But if I had an ideal team to pick that contract up, 
I'd have to pick the Winnipeg Jets, and I think that's because the Jets are so talented offensively, but their defense core has been hurting this year. 61% on their PK as well, and that's not only just evidence of the defense core, but just kind of the defense as a whole, both the forwards and all that. So there's a lot of little bit of holes right now, and if they don't get those cleaned up soon, whether it comes just from picking it up or from some area, if it continue, continues to linger to be an issue, they're one team that comes to mind. Like I said, it all depends on who are the eight teams on that contract that we'd have to figure out when the time arrives. Um, but just a me- an immediate team that comes to mind is that is the Winnipeg Jets, at least in my mind. And for the Jets, you take a look at their projected cap space. The tough part about that is if Dustin Bufflin comes back. The Jets, at the moment, according to Cap Friendly, have about seven. They have their current cap space is seven point three million. Their projected cap space about six point six. Dustin Bufflin's cap is six point seven million dollars. And if he decides to come back, I don't think the Jets would say no. But it's interesting, right? Because even if he says, okay, I'm going to come back, they're probably going to have to unsuspend him. Because at, at the moment, he's suspended without pay. He says, okay, I'm going to come back. I don't, you know, if, if they were to say, well, if you're coming back, we're just going to suspend you and not pay you. I think the NHLPA would probably get involved and make them pay that money and, and uh, you know, all of that as well. But the Jets kind of tight on the cap going into next year about $6.2 million. So that the contract wouldn't cripple the Jets necessarily. But if they wanted to make some major moves to improve that defense in free agency, can a guy like Golagoski would be hard. That's why that contract is so hard to move. I think... If you're going to move that contract, you're going to you're going to have to give up a first round pick. Now the Coyotes are they at a point where I mean first round picks matter in the NHL. I want to say that, and they're not that they're not important. But they are they at a point where like the Penguins were a couple years ago, where they don't really care about giving up their first pick. They're okay with it if it's going to make them a better team. Are the Coyotes at that point, or do you see them? Again, we're early. The Coyotes could be sellers at the deadline for all it's worth but if the coyotes do want to make another move do you could you see them maybe packaging a first round pick to give up Golagoski and and get that contract out of there to pick up another forward or maybe even a a little bit of a younger defenseman well first and foremost i think the coyotes did a good job supplementing their draft class and their young ta- talent this year thought they did a pretty good job in the draft with soderstrom and um, the guys that they can develop with some of the forwards they got but I don't think they're at the point, as you mentioned, similar to a Pittsburgh where they don't really care if they ship a first round. I think the, the they need to build up first is kind of that depth, which I think they're doing. But I still think it takes another draft a year, kind of another draft class. Um, you give you know Chica a few years now to kind of work with a few drafts and get him some top round picks, some first round picks, um, and then you know having those round, those first three rounds, really first three to four rounds um, to kind of build up a class. I think that's kind of where the money's at right now. And I don't think they're at that point yet where they can get rid of a first round pick because I mean, to be honest, you know, it's so early and we're talking way ahead of schedule here. I know we're talking about ifs and buts and all that stuff, but 
Um, I think they're not at that point yet just because there hasn't been the consistent success. The Penguins, the reason they had that is because they've had this. I mean, they won was three Stanley Cups over the course of you know, five, six-year period. So they're at that point where they have that luxury to do that. I don't think the Coyotes have that luxury just yet. We could be completely wrong. We're obviously we're talking way out in advance here, talking about the trade deadline and um, the draft and free agency and all that stuff. But I don't see them moving a guy um, just yet. Yeah, and again, moving Dolagoski is not due to any sort of performance. He's had four points in seven games. He's looked good. It's that contract. And a team that hasn't been up against the, the cap in quite a long time is now kind of feeling the pressure of um, they got to start shedding some contract at the moment. And this is because uh, they've got Jarmelson on IR and they also have um, – Osterley on IR, current cap space as it is, $1.7 million available. Um, when those guys come back, obviously that gets a little tighter, uh, just kind of based on the way the, the salary cap works. But uh, I think you're right. I think if they're going to move Goligoski, I think they like where they're at defensively. I don't think you change anything, even if you're in later in the year. And I don't see them needing a top forward. I think what they have right now, especially through their first two lines, is really good. But it's one of those things where do you want to open cap space before July 1? Now, the draft happens about anywhere between 10 and 20 days before free agency officially opens. So if they're thinking about making a free agency splash, maybe you do give up that first-round pick to a team that needs it. Maybe you call Detroit and try to pull the deal you did. With them, you know, where they made well, you took Datsu's contract and a first-round pick, you almost... Now, I think because Goligoski is a guy who can play and contribute, I don't think it will take a first-round pick, depending on what team you're talking to. Uh, if you're going to trade him to a, an Eastern team contender, a place like Florida would be a good place for him, a team that would really fit his style, a team that could use a defenseman like him. Uh, but it, it'll be interesting to th- see. I think the Coyotes, uh, again, the Goliga- moving Goligoski is more of a money thing than it is a a talent thing still at 34 years old. He's played really well. A guy who's won, who's won in this league and has done it on a consistent basis. And for a young team like that, you need to you need to have those winners. And we'll circle back around to that uh, Coyotes win on Saturday. Looked good in the first two periods. Uh, third period, not so much. Uh, almost they didn't almost lose the game, but they did go up four to nothing through the first two, and then Ottawa scored twice before an empty netter by Krause. So got a little more interesting than I think anybody would have thought after the first 40. Uh, but the Coyotes, again, I mean, Antti Ranta starts, a great chance to get Kemper some more rest, especially since the team hits the road for five games. I mean, and it's it's a long one. They've, uh, I saw, I think it was Craig Morgan on Twitter. I hate to get this wrong. Um but saw that the basically the Coyotes are already in on the East Coast uh, to get acclimated to the East Coast. And it's a, a luxury because um, they played Saturday, they're off till Tuesday. So you could have left Sunday morning. And I think they did because I did see Connor Garland on Twitter tweet a picture with a young woman who, again, we'll speculate that is his girlfriend. Um, but they were out in, in central, you know, in New York taking pictures and stuff. So 
Team's already in New York, um, but the Coyotes, for a team that looked like was rolling a little bit, feeling good, played one of the, the league's worst teams. Uh, is this was that a, a good win for the Coyotes? Just does that reaffirm where the Coyotes are at? Right, a team that dominates puck possession, can score score goals when needed, and, and really shut it down. And uh, you know you don't want to say it was a, an off day for them, but I mean. It's a chance to, to get their really Fesna candidate goaltender some rest. What did you what did you think of the Coyotes on Saturday? I thought it was a really good win, and I thought more importantly, it was a win that was needed in the sense that last year they had a lot of home stands where they'd beat some high caliber teams, and you think just when you think this team is about to get rolling, you know they can compete with the best of the best. They'd have a letdown. And I think about those late games last year against LA. Um, you know, L.A. towards the end of the year after they're coming off a big win, I believe it was against Minnesota, who is a playoff team uh, going into that playoff push last year. So it's games like that and homestands like that where you feel like there's things left on the line. And it's one of those games where you're looking ahead to a big East Coast road swing. You have the Senders coming into town, and this is no disrespect to the Senders, but they're not the team that they were obviously three years ago. They have the kind of rebuilding phase that they're in right now. It's a team that you need to take care of business against on your home ice. And they didn't let it just slip away. They didn't play down to the level of their competition. I didn't even think they played. I'd give the Coyotes probably about a, a B for what they played on Saturday, B plus. I didn't even think it was their best hockey of the season. But I thought they played. It wasn't like they played down to the level of their competition, which I thought was important. I think that second line, I mentioned it earlier on the podcast this evening, but played really well. I think Connor Garland's having somewhat of a breakout year. Uh, obviously had a good season last year too, but just playing really good hockey right now and fitting in well with Nick Schmaltz up there on that second line and Carl Soderberg starting to come together as a really solid piece as well and what they picked him up for. And it was from a Coyotes, um, if you're a Coyotes fan, from that perspective, it had to be refreshing to just see a game. It wasn't a letdown game after a big win against Nashville on Thursday, and it wasn't like they just took that game for granted. They took care of business. They did what they had to do. And on top of that, you give uh, Darcy Kemper a break going into a tough road trip where you're going to the East Coast, and you didn't have to use him in that game, and Ronta's up to the task. Has a couple late goals that had one that I'm sure comes to mind. It was um, where he's on the rush and lets one slip through the five hole. I'm sure he'd like to have that one back, but he still gives Darcy Kemper a much needed night off. He's looked sharp ever since coming back to, like I said, minus that one blemish that he had on Saturday. And, uh, you know, it's just a good way to close out the homestand. You close out strong and it's really important. It wasn't a, uh, going on the flight. It wasn't a quiet flight. I'm assuming, uh, you had the home or the homestand strong, you're able to go on the road, build some momentum. That's important. And like I said, again, accumulate, act, accumulated uh to the or acclimated pardon me can't speak but uh to the east coast it's really important as well yeah and for the Coyotes again I cannot remember for the life of me where I saw that the reason they were in New York um I hope to find that because I really do want to give credit to whoever tweeted that out um but looking through Craig Morgan's timeline did tweet out um from New York um I'll get to what he tweeted out some interesting things uh, in a moment but again, back to the, the letdown. Um, yeah, a team that in the past had those letdown games. And last year you saw a lot of them. And it's not, doesn't feel that way with this team, right? They're going to go out and they're going to beat the teams they need to beat. New York, an interesting case. Uh, you know, they have the offensive talent 
clearly, but I mean, Henrik Lundqvist has struggled again. I wonder when, I know they're loyal to Lundqvist and Lundqvist really went through some hard times the last couple of years with where the Rangers are at, but you got to think at some point with all the, the money and the changes the Rangers made in the offseason, they'll see it, they'll give Georgiev an opportunity. Uh, but anyways, uh, yeah, good to not have that letdown game. It wasn't an awkward flight. It wasn't the feeling of, wow, we lost to one of the worst teams in the league. Again, I think Ottawa's a – they're a couple pieces away from being a really good team. You can tell they're young. The way they play, you can tell they're very young. But obviously that comes with time. Um, but, yeah, not a letdown. A good feeling around the team in terms of that. Uh, back to Craig Morgan. No Phil Kessel, no Nick Schmoltz for practice when they practice at MSG. Um, but according to Craig Morgan, quote from his tweet, Coach Rick Tockett said, Phil Kessel and Nick Schmaltz took maintenance days today. Should be good to play Tuesday. End quote. So uh, good news for tweets. And that's what happened last week. Um, last week, uh, Kessel and Schmaltz didn't practice before the Ottawa game. Craig Morgan tweeted that out again, just maintenance days. Not a bad idea, especially for a guy like Schmaltz coming back from that knee injury. You don't need to overwork him. He's playing really well. And Kessel, a little bit older, want to make sure you just don't wear him down as much. Um, so good to see them feeling good. Craig Morgan also said Tuesday will be Darcy Kemper against the Rangers. Uh, I don't know if I see Auntie Ranta getting into, into a game, maybe on Saturday, because if I'm correct, they do play a Saturday-Sunday uh, between New York and New Jersey. I'll have to look that up again. Uh, but it's a, a five-game road trip, and I think you're going to really see where this team is at. Again, you know, you can say it's early and all that, but you are getting to the point where, yeah, you got to start finding out who you are. I mean, we were talking about it. You're from San Jose. You follow the Sharks closely. And you and I, again, talked about it off air. So if the Sharks don't figure it out in the next two to three weeks, they might be in trouble. It's almost the opposite for the Coyotes where if they can really push the next two to three weeks and really make a good run. I mean, obviously we saw what happened to the Sabres after December, but if this team can really kind of go out there and make a statement and prove that where they're at, um, it'll be good. Again, a four-game road trip. I see you pulled that up before I could, Andrew. But um, New York Tuesday, but they do play a back-to-back. Islanders Thursday, Devils Friday. I would think Ronta gets a start in New Jersey. I think the Islanders are a little bit of a better team, and that that building gets loud. I don't care what anybody says. I know that's a smaller venue um, at the, on the island at Nassau, but that's got to be one of the most electric buildings in the NHL. So, uh, yeah, Coyotes getting ready to start a four-game road trip in New York before they come home against Montreal. So uh, we'll be watching the game tomorrow. And if you want to follow the show, you can follow it. On Twitter, at LO underscore Coyotes. Once again, that is at LO underscore Coyotes. You can follow me on Twitter, at SAskelson96. Once again, that is at SAskelson96. Andrew, where can the lovely people find you on Twitter? Uh, Twitter account is at AndrewBell7, capital A, capital B. And, yeah, that is where you can find me and all the news that I have, not only with Coyotes, but kind of just Arizona hockey in general, both at the NC2A level with Arizona State, um, some club hockey stories as well at the ACHA, and kind of just a broad spectrum for hockey in Arizona. So, yeah, that is my Twitter handle, and it should be an interesting road trip as we're putting in our closing thoughts here, Seth. It should be an interesting road trip. I think the games that stand out to me, 
Uh, you know, the Rangers are off to a little bit of a slow start, but that Islanders game should be a good test at Nassau Coliseum, and then the Buffalo game heading out. Uh, that's the Monday game, the last, the Monday the 28th, the last game of the trip. The way Buffalo's rolling right now, they're playing some good hockey. Uh, it's similar to what they did last year, a red-hot start. We'll see if they can actually sustain it this year because, you know, yeah, the, they faltered a little bit. Obviously, midseason ended up missing the playoffs, but that Buffalo game on the back end playing a red-hot team should be an interesting game and a good measuring stick game. Yeah, if I told you two years ago the Coyotes and the Sabres are going to be a must-see game, <laughs> you would have laughed at me, but... Uh, yeah, that's going to be some must-see TV. I think the Rangers one will be interesting. The Rangers are in a weird spot right now. Um, they definitely made some wins. The Devils are going to be hungry. They they feel that they should have about three or four different wins. They let some leads go. Um, Islanders, Barry Trotz always has his teams ready to go. So it'll be interesting. I think right before we leave here, a couple things. One, uh, the, the two days off is going to be big. I know you got to play back-to-back, New York, New Jersey, but New Jersey not that far. So it's it's a back-to-back, but you're you're staying close. You don't have to fly into another city. You just kind of have to almost bus over. Um, so taking those two days off to go to Buffalo would be good for them. And like you said, you covered ASU hockey. Just want to give a quick update on that. They defeated Air Force, got a two-game sweep over Air Force this last weekend after a tough weekend in Mankato. So ASU hockey back on the right track. Coyotes rolling. Health of Arizona hockey looking good. So. Appreciate you listening in. We'll uh, try to get the podcast out tomorrow. Again, another early game, so maybe an instant recap, but definitely going to try to get one out to uh, preview that Rangers game a little bit more. Either way, we'll be with you because Lockdown Coyotes is your team every day, your team being the Coyotes. So hope you enjoy the rest of your Monday evening, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.